Hello and welcome to Axlander, a podcast about and for all of you who have left their home to find a new one abroad. Right, cool. So we're live now. Awesome. And today I am talking to Sebastian, who is a Singaporean citizen living in Zurich. And I'm just going to ask him if he could briefly introduce himself. Hi, Sebastian. How are you? How are you doing in Zurich? Hi, Eva. Thank you for inviting me on the show. Um, I'm good in Zurich. The weather is finally warming up. Um, it's getting beautiful out there. You might not see it now because of everything shut down and all the artificial lights turn up, like I would do for calls, because you look perfect that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, I've been here in Switzerland for almost 10 years now. I came back then where, where I saw one, if I saw one Asian guy on the street or girl on the street a week, I was happy. <laughs> So how did you end up here? Briefly. I came here because uh, my partner and I, we tried to find a place that we can move in together. And it's either in the UK, Singapore or here. Um, and based on the salary and based on the, the ease of moving, we found out that Switzerland was better for the both of us. Okay. How do you like it? Uh, apparently, I liked it very much. <laughs> <laughs> well, otherwise, you'd be gone, right? I know. Now, I have a lot of a- Asian friends who, who came here, and um, if anything did not work out, they're always back home. The first thing that they do is to go back home. Um, but being away from Singapore and Singapore changing at the speed that it did, it does, actually, um, home is no longer home. Okay. Well, this I feel is like a the... foreigner when I'm home. See, this is one of the topics that many, many guests here on Excellent and even people who um, listen to this podcast and the audience uh, can identify with very well that you've got sort of two different homes or you feel like a foreigner when you come back home to where you were created and where you were raised, let's say, uh, but your life is elsewhere. Now, what's the story then? about Singapore? Like how long did you live there and what is your background? So I was born and raised in Singapore. I have, um, so I was like a I'm pure breed Singaporean, if you could put it that way. But the thing is, all Singaporeans are kind of a mixed breed, a mixed bunch. So I'm like, we don't, we don't look at it that way, but if we, come, if we were to look at it carefully, I am a third generation Singaporean. Mm-hmm. So I have grandparents that came in from overseas. My parents were born here. Um, I'm born here. So I'm like third generation now. Mm-hmm. So, but I think back in those days of my grandparents moving away or being an expat, as you look at it these this days, mm-hmm. is different because you don't have the option of going back home. An right. expat means you're out. You're, you're a migrant. You move. That's it, period. You come back maybe to visit your parents before they die, or you come back to have your body buried back home because that's your home town burial ground where everyone is there. Um, but these days we don't have that anymore. So it's easier for us to leave our roots behind and we call home where home is. Mm-hmm. What, we, what we left behind is perhaps family and house. And in your culture, um how important are then family ties? Because you are here on your own, right? Your family, your immediate family is back in Singapore. And uh, it's a bit of a different setting always when I speak to someone who is from overseas, who is from a different, who comes from a different continent. It's rather different sometimes that when you've got Europeans living in other European countries. So 
I can imagine that the ties, you know, are quite different. How, how strong is the affinity then to family and to home? Affinity is strong, that's for sure. For most Chinese family, especially if you're the son, the only son in the family, it's really important that you, you stay close to home. Mm -hmm. But Singapore being unique as it is, and me being rebellious as I am. <laughs> yeah. It's a bad combination. So, I mean, we have all the technologies that we have today. And going home is not about two buses and a five-week boat ride or whatever it is in those days, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a 12-hour flight. I could get on a 12-hour flight and I'll be there and I'll see them the next day. I, I just say goodbye now when they're going to bed and I wake, they wake up and, and I'm there. So it's really not that hard. And anything else that we cannot um, do, we can do it on Skype. Yeah. Those days when I first came, it was Skype. So we had Skype dinners, we had Skype calls, we had Skype while my mom was watching TV and we used to Skyping. I don't know why. <laughs> so, so the affinities, affinities are there, but it's just that the channel is a little different. Okay. And you mentioned that here in Switzerland, and, and you live in Zurich, which is quite an urban area, it's very modern, it's very sort of, it's, it's high end, it's very multicultural, but you still mentioned that you didn't really encountered that many Asians on the streets. And if, then they were tourists. So how does that feel for someone who is also visually different and who's been basically very well integrated? Because that's, um, that's what we were talking on Clubhouse. By the way, we met on Clubhouse and this is, this is the great new app that, you know, is somehow, you know, good for talkative people. So it's just the introduction. It is cool. Yeah. Um, so when I first came, I was, I was sold on the idea, like, like you were most probably sold on the idea too, that Zurich is a multicultural um, society and stuff like that. They call it Multikulti. Mm -hmm. Back in 2009, 2011, that was a lie. Okay. At the time when I first came, I was told, you know, everybody speaks English, get out there. Even the shopkeepers speak English and stuff. And on one day, the weather was nice and I finally got out on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, when the corner shop to get something, it took me 15 minutes to get whatever I need behind the glass wall because of the fact that I couldn't explain to him the color that I wanted of the product and, and the special brand of it that's now named differently here. Um, and I, they don't speak English, or not all of them speak English. Um, and then moving here for good, um, I remember I lived near the airport and everybody looks at me like, do you work? Do you work at the airport? Are you, are you <laughs> the air steward? Are you are you the cleaner? Are you? I'm like, and this is, I have. I'm sure there are many Asian people at that time. They had even weirder and more derogative questions that you ever received. Mm -hmm. Like, ah, you're Asian here. You must be here for you know, the benefits of having a local person as a partner. I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, what? Your partner was Swiss. No. No, no. Okay. My great friend, my best friends are also, but my uh, for a partner, I'm not so sure. Okay. Um, my ex partner was um is sorry, um South African. South African. I grew up in, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um. So coming here in Switzerland to Switzerland was easier for him than for me, sure. because being white, Caucasian, grew up in England is not that far off culture wise. Mm -hmm. Um, better food in England though. <laughs> being at that point in time when I first came, you could really tell you're different, mm -hmm. especially if you do not speak the language and you do not understand the language. Mm -hmm. Swiss people are so humble, they will freeze up the moment they have to speak English. And they'll go like, yeah, yeah, I'm, my English is, is, is not good. And then 
they can launch in the next two hours speaking perfect English and you understand each other and you're like, I thought you said English was bad. Like, what? <laughs> um, and then being here for long enough, to be fair, I did study again here. So I did a second degree because I couldn't understand the people. I couldn't understand the culture. I did not understand why they do things the way they do. Um, oh, going to get back to that, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, going to the university program, hang out with kids way younger than me. Um, taught me two things patience okay yeah <laughs> like you were like you were when you have a kid you same thing mm -hmm. you would be taught patience and you will be taught to ask why mm -hmm. why did you do this why did you do that what's the reasoning behind and as you question more you realize you get pulled in mm -hmm. to the culture because you question you ask you want to find out why and when you find out why it makes sense to you it's easy to pick it up it does. You'd be surprised. So simply, if you find yourself stuck in any time, ask why, why, why? And if you ask enough times, you get it. Okay. Somehow it does. I don't know how. Yeah, but it does. And meanwhile, you've been able to master Swiss German, right? Or German, or you do speak the language. I'm, oh, I can't do Swiss level. German like you. Your Swiss German is perfect. I thought I, I don't think even, I, I don't even speak Swiss German. I'm, 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 you know, I'm actually embarrassed to speak it. I mean, I could, but I, I'm, I don't know. I, so I don't dare yet. This is how I get to know um, Eva here. I was in a Swiss room on Clubhouse, and I was thinking like, okay, I got to be more su supportive of the local clubs and stuff like that. So I went in there. I saw Eva, bright red hair in the picture and everything. I was like, okay, <laughs> this Swiss red hair, okay, yeah, sure, why not? And then she opens her mouth and just like Swiss German all the way. I was like, oh wow, okay. Swiss proper Swiss and a bit of interesting kind of dialect there. I'm not quite getting is it like Zurich dialect or Ben or something like Argyle? I can't really put my finger on it, but hey, it's a dialect somehow. And then I went to find her on LinkedIn and she was like, wait, wait, what? Where's she from? What? Huh? But I mean, there are some people that are just blessed with languages. I have an American friend, and Americans are not known for picking up Swiss German. Mm -hmm. Not not at all. She is a psychologist in the uni uh, university hospital. Well, we all know which one now. After a year, she picked up perfect Zukadich. Yeah, Zukadich. There are people like perfect. that, you know. It's 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 like, amazing. One well, year. Your Swiss German is also quite good. I mean, I I do a mix. When I get lazy, I, I switch to Swiss German. When I have to be proper, I go to German because it's easier. You don't make so much mistakes. <laughs> But you also speak many, many languages, right? I tried. So in Singapore, it's like um, Switzerland is a multi-culti country. Mm -hmm. So we have English as the business language. So it's our first language, our, our, our mother tongue, actually. And then based on your ethnic group, you get to pick a second language that you learn in school, but you practice at home. Mm -hmm. So I picked up Mandarin. Um, and then based on your extended family, you know, because it was much older generation. So we had to learn at least one to two different dialects. So mm -hmm. my grandparents do not speak Mandarin mm -hmm. at all, much less English. So um, with them, it was like Fukien or Hokkien, mm -hmm. which is where it's a hometown where my grandfather, grandfather is from. Um, and my neighbors are from Hong Kong. So you have to learn Cantonese. Mm -hmm. If you want to play with the, with the kids, you, know, you mm -hmm. want to play with the kids growing up, so you learn very fast. So, being coming from a multi-culti country into another multi-culti country, mm -hmm. it's easier because you, you don't feel so bad. Like 
you may not speak French, Italian, or German, or Swiss German, or, or Romanish. But if you actually look back again, it's like, hey, I speak English, man. We can do Mandarin if you want, <laughs> or we can do Cantonese or Fukien. And they're like, oh, oh, okay. No, 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 it's good. It's good. English is good. <laughs> Sometimes you forget, like, you know, that your, cap your capabilities until you look back again. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned Singapore being a multicultural country and it's also a very very special place very very attractive for expats it's it's called the switzerland of southeast asia right it's the crazy rich asians i mean have you ever come across you know people going like, oh yeah i saw that you know i saw that movie the crazy rich asian people you know like changi airport the best in the world i mean why would you move why would you move from singapore I know you um, said there were there were different reasons, and you had your partner. But can you even picture going back? Because it's a that you've got you can have a very comfortable life, right? As a as a Singaporean citizen, and uh, you know having a good job. I mean, it's it's very very high end. So yeah, <laughs> I always believe in this. If you want to go out of your own own country, go, but make sure you go to a place where you earn more. Okay. Is that you, always can, you can always come back. You can always come back, come back and spend it that, back at home. Mm -hmm. But you can't do it the other way around. So for, in my parents' days, my grandfather was doing really, really well. I don't know how to do it in those days. But you have one income and you have three generations come, earning. I'm just living on it. These days we have two incomes and we can barely feed a child. But mm -hmm. where do we go? Where do we go wrong? Um, so my grandfather could took his entire family of seven kids or even eight kids to Japan or whatever in those days on a flight. Mm -hmm. It makes me understand the economics very well, very, very quickly. I can choose to live in Singapore mm -hmm. and take one flight maybe every five years with my family out of the country together. Mm -hmm. Or I could work in Switzerland. I could fly anytime I want to. I used to fly back the first two years. I used to fly back at least once or twice a year. Because mm -hmm. it's kind of nice, you know, like 12 hours on the flight. And after a while, you're like, oh, God, 12 hours on the flight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've been there, done that, and you go like, oh yeah, sixth time on Changi. You know, like it's like all the gold that's glittering there is no longer that. Like not that everything feeling. Is gold. Yeah. Especially when you land in at six thirty in the morning, you're like, oh god. Um. So so yeah. So it's easier for me to just go and, and come back and, and just visit and and have the spending power. Mm -hmm. Um. But for me, I think the most attractive thing is that the distance. It, I mean. To put it nicely, the distance makes the heart grow fonder. Mm -hmm. And not very nice PR marketing kind of ways. Like um, a little bit of distance is good. It's it's okay. However, then, you know, then there are situations like this, like COVID and, and borders being closed, or let's say, well, that's not the case now, but, you know, travel bans, travel restrictions. So this is something that I've been coping with. Uh, it's not been the easiest time, I would say. I mean, I don't mind the distance. It's just like, I like to know that I can always go back, you know, when something's happening and the inability to do that. That's, that's what, yeah, that's basically, I also, how I started this podcast, but that's in another episode. <laughs> ah, that's it's how. Not, <laughs> it's not Let that. me give you a different perspective to it. Mm. You are stuck here and you can't go home. And that makes you miss home even more. Now, yeah, it does. It does. Now imagine if you're stuck there mm. and your husband and your kids are here. Yeah. How would that feel for you? So, yeah. Um, yeah, the borders, the borders, and the whole measures, you know, and everything is, is, is uh, let's put it that, that way, this way. When I had COVID mm -hmm. last year, 
I was not going out that much because, you know, there's this whole fear. You don't know where you're going to get it. You don't know how you're going to get it. And I didn't go out that much and I still got COVID. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that, I, it makes a big difference when you choose not to go out and have everything delivered. And when you cannot go out and it, it's, 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 it's almost no difference in the thing at all, except for your own will and your own power and your own mental power. And you realize, yes, it does make, it does make a big difference. So mm-hmm. like not being able to go back and see your parents. Yeah. And choosing not to go back to see your parents. Yeah, exactly. Just make yeah. A big difference. yeah, yeah. Psychologically, um, yeah, that's that's the way it is. We don't yeah, want to be from, talking too much about COVID and coronavirus because it's sort of omnipresent. It's everywhere in the media and I really, you know, it's just, just way way too much. But one more, but it is the related question, and then we're going to jump onto something else. Um, I had in this podcast Chris Reed, uh, the Mohawk guy, you know, who's been very, very, I mean, he's a fun guy, entertaining, and he's um, he renounced his British citizenship to get his Singaporean passport, and he had to, you know, pledge allegiance to the Republic of Singapore and so on. Um, and he was praising Singaporean government and the society in terms of measures and, you know, COVID cases and so on. Basically, what I, what I understood that was back in January is that everything is pretty much open in Singapore, is very, very strict with quarantine rules upon arrival into that country, but then everything is sort of free, let's say. Mm. Yes and no. There was different. You must you must see when you look into it. So okay. in the beginning, we were very strict. Mm-hmm. The moment we heard about it, we shut everything down. Everything was was you know out of question. Everybody was cut off. Home, stay home, and it, we could do it because we are kind of kind of very used to being packed small little apartments and everything like that. Small little lives. So it's not that tough. Um, and we're used to following the government's advice. Let's do that way in a very nice. Yeah, that's what Chris mentioned. Yeah, that. Yeah, discipline. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's one way of saying it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, so it's easy for us to keep the, the, the infection rate down in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and we thought it was safe because, do not forget, we did, nobody had a rule book on this. Nobody had a playbook. We just invent one as we go along. Mm-hmm. Uh, we opened everything up, thinking everything was clear because the infection rates goes further, even go to, went down even further. And I think it was the first flights that came in from some other part of Asia with all the business people coming in. And we have this, so I mean, during that time we were praised as the best city, even Trump said we should follow Singapore as an example. And then when Trump said something like that, the next week we were hit with a second um, infection, which hit the roof. Um, because it was brought in by um, business travelers mm-hmm. and somehow it got infected around the the, 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 the laborers, the workers mm-hmm. who are mm-hmm. living in very, very tight conditions. So the spread of it is like wildfire. Um, so it was tough to clean up after that. It was mm-hmm. really, really tough. So we then went to like further measures as um, phase one, phase two, phase three. So yes, Singaporeans will tell you that, oh, it's, it looks easy because they have been through worse in the beginning. Yeah. While we in Switzerland handles it the other way around. We are like, let's go let's chill take a step back and see what happens you know let's not let's not kill everybody yet um <laughs> and then it hits too much and be like the highest rate in all over europe and oh no 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 no, this is not good let's let's chop everything down let's shut everything down and then switzerland is different from singapore of course yeah let's in not let's not talk about 
politics or you know i mean it's, it's, no, it's no, no politics it's just a culture of people you know, it's just analyze it's just uh, it's just an interesting aspect um that probably might have to do you know that it might have to do something with culture let's say the culture of standing up for yourself yeah 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 we believe in standing up for ourselves here and we believe in, in speaking our mind mm. in a peaceful manner <laughs> Very peaceful manner. Um, it's about sharing our, our values and what we believe in and, and justifying for justifying it. I think that's a great way of bringing a culture. I think that's good and bad. I'm not saying one is better than the other. I mean, I've lived in both now. Um, but it's interesting to see cultures and I love cultures. And, and it's what makes me what makes me grateful for wherever I am mm-hmm. um, with whomever I am. Because I think in those days, we, we couldn't have that. Mm-hmm. How easy was it in our, I mean, we were forced to leave the country, like my grandparents, mm-hmm. get out. But we, we choose where we want to yeah. go to. We choose yeah. where we want to end up with and, and how we want to end up there. We're so blessed. Are you there to stay in Switzerland, in Zurich? Hard question, I know. <laughs> um, I think we talked about this a couple of times, or a couple of weeks back. Um, yeah, on Clubhouse again. <laughs> I know. You coincidentally <laughs> ask, have you guys planned about funeral here? I was like, Oh, wow. Why did you ask this? What, what kind of question is this? <laughs> no, I was not throwing. <laughs> I was not I know. like, you know, where do you want to be buried? Like, it's the, the first thing that you think about in the morning. <laughs> no, not that. But it's a more <laughs> of a philosophical sort of a rhetorical question. Um, you know, you know what I mean, right? Yes. Because and I laughed because um, it was just a couple of weeks before that, that I was going, I went on a hike. Yes, Singaporeans go on a hike too. Um, not in the beginning when they first arrived, but after a few years they're due too because there's nothing else to do. Um, and we came across this plot of little uh, church just on top of a small little hill, um, looking over little mini valleys, let's put it that way. Um, and then there was just like a little plot behind the church that had like, currently there's like 12 or 16 headstones and a couple of spots left. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a latch on, on the side of it framing the church in and then you know, there's a cat walking around and stuff like that and for a minute you're like it's 5pm, the sun is setting it's, you've never had a more peaceful quiet moment that, that, it's not just a physical thing it's, it's a inner ruler um, um, an inner peace that you, you face that you, mm-hmm. you felt you're like, yeah. I mean I don't believe in after death if, you, if you're dead, you're dead you know, you just Bag of bones or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I have to spend, if I if I choose to believe in that, and if I have to spend the rest of my life, I can, I can, I can do it here. Cool. <laughs> and and we and we tried we tried looking into the little plots of land, and we have to move to get one of those spots. So <laughs> <laughs> this is a very small little village. So we have to move out of Zurich, and I'm like, yeah, I'm a city kid. You know, you take me out of Singapore, you put me in Zurich, fine. You take mm-hmm. me out of Zurich and you put me in Afolten. Oh, let's yeah. talk about it again. <laughs> that would be probably a bit hard. But yeah, well, why not? It, it was just it was diverging, really. No, but, sorry. Um, what is it that you do? So was it hard for you to find a job? Because I know, and this is, again, you know, a, a personal question. So did you have, like, your with your ex-husband, did you have spouse visa? Did you come... Was it hard for you to get like a work permit and all this sort of bureaucracy, you know, at the beginning? Um, it was, was, I mean, we've been together like six years before I moved. Mm-hmm. In fact, if he had it his way, I would have been here after two years you know, of meeting. 
but I had my own business in Singapore. I had projects and I, I wasn't ready because I didn't know this, that much about this culture. So I, I delayed and I delayed and I delayed mm. and I delayed. Um, and in the end, when I came, it was kind of like sealed in stone. You have to be here. You're not going back anymore. You're just stuck. Um, so it was like, we came, I had to apply for a marriage visa in Singapore at the um, consulate, the Swiss consulate to Singapore. Fill up a form, paid a good money, paid some good money, <laughs> get in here. Um, and then that's it. I got my B permit and, and and I could start working if I wanted to. Yeah. And I was very lucky because um, the company I was working with in, in Singapore was Les Mills. And Les Mills was big here as well. And they needed someone to bring um, to lead the program of, of the dance and stuff like that, which was big in Singapore. We had like... 50 classes a week mm-hmm. and here we had two classes and, and it was amazing i was like what <laughs> and have you stayed with this company um lesmos was amazing lesmos um actually if you have to move out of your own country into any other country my advice would be to move with the other company oh it's because... just not always possible but it's 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 a smart move yeah absolutely not always possible but it's it's, it's a smart move because company culture is the same you have a job, you have financial independence, and then you have new friends that you're forced to make. Mm-hmm. So working as a gym instructor, fitness group, group fitness instructor, I have to work with minimum 15 clients at one, in one hour. And coming from Asia, I mean, I've been around Europe for a bit, but like to live, to live somewhere is different. So, and there's this race blindness or color blindness in a sense. So like, you know how Europeans look at Asians and like, wait, wait, you, Aren't you the same guy as the, the, the one? Aren't you like, isn't that like, is that your brother? Or is it your sister? Or your wife or your husband? You're like, what are you talking about? Like, we don't know each other. Like, what, what are you talking? Same thing. Because for the first year I was here, I was like, hey, you, I saw you last week. No. Oh, um, aren't you the blonde hair girl? No, no my hair is black. Uh, okay, okay. So I've learned in the first year not to try and use any names, which the Swiss people hate because they want you to know their names. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Hey, pretty one. Hey, handsome. Because I cannot tell the difference. I think this is cool, but this is exactly the reverse stereotype, right? Like, you know, like all Asians look alike. You know, don't tell me we've got to all look alike. I meant no harm when I really said, like, I thought I saw you in my class last week. No, I don't even know you. Like, oh, okay. I must have yeah. wrong. Um, it goes both ways, yeah. It does, and I actually um, went to look at some documentaries about it, and actually, it's not even a biasness; it's actually a kind of blindness that you don't yeah. have, that yeah, you don't, yeah. you don't, you're not used to. So, mm. yeah, it's a real thing. But so that means I have to stop teasing the, the Europeans when they make fun of us too. So I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. good to learn. <laughs> yeah, but what are you? What did you have that, you that do... too when you first came? Sorry, uh, sorry. So, did you have that too when you came? Like with, well, I, I don't really particularly, I mean, I look European, so I've always had it with Asians. Yeah, that's, you know, my, it's not, it's not bias. It's just a stereotype that, you know, like I, sometimes it's, it's, you know, it's, I, I, you know, I mean, well, but sometimes I'm just thinking, okay, well, I can recognize Japanese, Chinese and Singaporean. I would struggle. Korean, like, yeah, of course, because technically, but then, you know, I kept saying it was terrible because I had a very, very nice uh, fitness instructor who is originally from the Philippines and Ooh. she's been here forever, um, like for the Ewigkeit and yeah. super cool chick. And I was always like Thailand, you know, like, no, it's no, it's the Philippines, you know, it's not Thailand, but it's just like Southeast Asia. And of course, I, I don't like when somebody tells me, you know, I'm from somewhere else. 
Are like, you from Russia? European country. And then I did the same thing. So that was uh, that was not that great. But uh, yeah. she was she she took it okay. She was like, oh, but it's the Philippines. I like, yeah, I know it's the Philippines. Why do I keep saying Thailand? Because somehow Thai, my Thai students look, you know, very very alike. So anyway, but yeah. So what is it that you do now, or what background do you have then? Um, because you're also quite active on social media. You're active in like digital marketing and so on. So that's my job. So I'm um, basically I start off with Last Meals and Reebok um, as their brand ambassadors. So we document the kind of clothes we wear, how good we look in it and stuff like that. Um, and I studied my way and I decided to exit out of the fitness industry because it's not like in Asia where it's, it could be a career. Um, here it's more like a job. So, and I, and I, and I kind of reach a certain kind of a little bit of a ceiling as, as much, you can go that far as a foreigner with not, without German as your, as your mother tongue or as your second language, mm-hmm. direct second language. And decided I could stay at a place where I'm tolerated because you always you will always be a foreigner in certain areas of where course, you work. Yeah, yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Or you can even go, me, and I'm uh, not even Asian, so <laughs> yeah. Really, you see that people treat you like uh, really? Oh wow! Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it's everywhere, but I think we cannot blame them. We, can, we can't even because I think it's in all our good intention to protect our own culture. Yeah, it's the same in, our, in Singapore in and it's the same back home in Czechia for me, you know, it's nothing Everywhere. exclusive to Switzerland. It's just this exactly. it's just this sort of experience that one has and that for example the locals don't get, but you can't blame them. But anyway, you were saying, sorry. Um what was I saying again? <laughs> <laughs> Talking about your job. Uh so um so I went on I went there and I took a little break and a little retraining of about a year, year and a half. And I was very lucky to find a med tech company where I get to test out all the things that I learned to see whether they really make sense. Um, and then I worked my way into like real marketing and stuff and then went on to specialize in B2B strategies um, where it's not selling from business to clients, but business to business as clients, handling different countries at the same time, which is perfect for me because I like to understand nuances between cultures. And the words we use and the words we choose and what they mean and why, because it shows who we are and, and what we want. Um, so Switzerland is the best place for that because it's also like 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 I said, it's, Singapore is a mini Switzerland because we're in the middle of Asia. Switzerland is in the middle of Europe. Um, you get Italians, you get French, you get everything. You get to go and see different countries. I mean, I love working here and going to Berlin for a weekend. <laughs> so it's good to be in the central of it all, where you could have a good quality life. Um, you have not so big a polarity between the, the ones at the top and the ones at the bottom. Why it's good? Because, um, I mean, there is a great polarity. I mean, knowing how much some of my, my, my bosses make and how much the rest of us make down there in the company, because I think we voted against the uh, um, six times polarity um, thing that where we don't want to have more than six times the difference between the lowest paid person in the company and the top paid company, top person in the company. Um, which which makes sense. I mean, if I'm going to be limited to how much I can earn in a big company, why would I join them? Yeah. So so Switzerland is about it's about being fair, but mm. as long as it doesn't affect business. And what are some of the things that you can't just figure out? You know, until today, that you don't know why certain things are run certain way or certain things are done. Why does it take so long to make a decision? Yeah, because of the consensus. I think that that's the whole politics. Actually, less about the consensus. Mm-hmm. It's about the encore. 
interesting. And I found out that because working in a big institution, not even a company anymore, it's an institution because it's, not, it's so grounded in tra tradition and culture, you realize the consensus are, are there. It's a company. They have to say yes. No one's going to say no unless you screw up big time. <laughs> but it's about helping people understand why do, why do they have to do this? Mm -hmm. Why are we doing this? I, have to, I know I have to say yes at the end of the day because if I don't, my boss is going to come down to me and be like, why did you vote no? Now we have to go through the, another six months. Like, what were you thinking? Um, but then the time on, spent on that, we arriving, at, arriving at that consensus, and I say arriving and not getting it, but because you help people understand like, we're doing this because of what? And why is there a need for the change? And, and this is what is important because when you have a change that is something that you understand and you understood and you agreed with, it stays around longer. Yeah, that's it's true. Sustainable. Well, old habits die hard, but then once the change is made, um, then, uh, and decision is made, <laughs> then it stays. So yeah, I think that that would be very typical for Switzerland, um, and the society here. Yeah, that's true. And that's why it took so long to, you know, just get women to, <laughs> to vote. But, um, Anyway, but now look at the women that voted. They they have a right to say everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have places everywhere. We have presidents, that presidentin that are female, mm -hmm. and we still have their colleagues that says like, you know what, go home, make dinner for your family, and they'd be like, I'm here. You can go home if you want to, and they have no shame about it. But the other cultures that are so big about like, you have women rights, blah blah blah, and you ask them how many female presidents do you have. Uh, 46 and still not a single one so so yeah we may be slow sorry we no. switzerland might be slow sorry um but whatever we comes are part in, of switzerland already so i know but my sisters are like we huh? yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so yeah but it sticks and that's the good thing about it because you want to make changes that sticks mm. Okay. And one more, perhaps the last topic that you yourself said might be also a bit controversial, but you agreed to speak and uh, speak on the podcast about this, because I think it's, it's super important. So being gay in Singapore, and especially a gay man, how different is it then to come to Europe and experience a completely different setting? <laughs> to be fair, coming from Singapore at my during my time, I was very blessed. So I've lived through the, 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 how do you put it? The curtained side of Singapore where, you know, oh, no one talks about this. Shh, shh, no one talks about this. Until the point where there's so much influence of foreigners and expats coming in and they take their culture with them. Um, and we just took it on. Um, and and we, we may not be the most creative people uh, in Singapore, but when we take up something, we, we pick it up and we run with it. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And um, so I, I've seen both sides of Singapore, the side where we don't talk about it and no one, no one talks about it. And you do, you, you find yourself in places you don't want to be in. So you pretend that it's non-existent, non -existent. like in yeah. some countries. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. In certain countries, you, you do get punished for it too, like quite severely too. Singapore, we have that, 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 that sodomy law thing. I think it's H something, I can't remember exactly. Um, but as more research went into it, we understood why it was set up in the first place. It's not to punish gay men, mm -hmm. it's to prevent the time the British um, experts that were here, when Singapore was under the Britain, um, British colony at the time, was to 
prevent that whole mixing or like the mixing of the culture together. So sodomy is everywhere across all cultures, across all times, come under different forms and different names. Mm-hmm. Um, and in those days, they wanted to prevent that. So they set up a very heavy punishment. If you're, in, if you're an Englishman, an English man, if you're caught performing sodomizing acts with the locals, you could be suffering under this law. So that's how it came about. But yes, there have been some, one, a couple of cases where people were punished based, based under that, that law and everything, but it wasn't one that was taken and, and like in certain countries where president of the countries was shown half naked on a horse riding around, where they really try and eradicate those groups of people mm-hmm. for being present anywhere in society. So it's a little different. So we don't have that. Um, do we try and like keep it down? Yes, because we are very strong culture based in very Eastern, very traditional, um, strong manly type kind of, of background and culture. So it's very hard to change that. What do you call those things that gay people go to where there's a lot of parties and colors and, and, and sex and everything? Uh, gay bars? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so ashamed of myself. I'm oh, gay you and... mean pride? Yeah, sorry. No, there's a Madik Madikra? No, is it, is it the same thing? I don't know. Uh, I think it's, yeah, gay pride. Let's call it gay pride. Um, so we don't have that, but we have a clean version of it. As Singapore would clean up everything. We have the pink dot. Mm-hmm. Not supported, not allowed to have any companies, foreign companies supporting it. It's the one time of the year where, like, gay pride, um, you, as a, if, or if you, if you identify yourself as gay or you identify yourself as an ally, you can come out with your friends, spend a day in the park all together and, and share your love for one another and your acceptance for one another. So, um, yeah, it's coming. You just need to understand that Singapore, I, I always tell this to all my friends and the, cannot understand this. We may do very well on paper. We have, economically, we are amazing. But we are still a very young country. We're barely 50-something. So imagine the same thing with a child. He may be a super smart child doing like A-level math when he was like in primary school and in diapers, but he's still a child. Comparing this to a, a culture that's, a, that's steeped in like over 150 or 200, or even 300 years of advancement, like you can't compare that. You don't speak to your 18-year-old and your 5-year-old the same way because, yeah, so... I like yes. that. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's a very nice comparison, yeah. Yeah, so we have certain rules and laws which you have to obey in Singapore, which makes sense because you don't let your 5-year-old sleep at 10 p.m. and wake up to chocolate mousse and, and brush his teeth with, like, chocolate paste and sauce. I mean, you don't do that. But have we done that before? Of course. I mean, I've brushed my teeth with bourbon before, so... so we have to understand that maturity doesn't always come with age. So we have Helpful. to find something that works for us. I know, right? <laughs> so yeah, so, so we are there, we're working on it. Um, will, will, will we catch up with the whole gay scene and everything? Hopefully, yes, because that's how we have to move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, will it hurt people's feelings along the way? It always does. But you're also not a big fan of the whole modern version, right? Of pride and the whole categorization, or at least that's what you shared with me um, off record. Oh, okay. So I have have great friends with great work, great, great work um, behind the LGBTQI. Yeah, there we start. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's adding on every year. I can't catch up. Ugh. It's adding on every uh, year. Lesser every year, yeah. And I get it. We need to define ourselves. We need to find our identity. But where is the um, boundary between self-identification and putting yourself in a box? It's almost the same thing. Like excitement and fear, same physical effects. It's how you define it. So same thing as, as definition. Am I gay or am I bi or am I LG, gay? You know, whatever, long, one of the alphabets, uh, mm -hmm. you know. Um, does it matter? Yes, if you're not sure who you are yet, you need that, that identity. But I am more than just what I do in bed. I am more than just the kind of person I go for on the street. Um, I'm just you, me. And I'm not, I'm not just a letter. Um, so no, thank you. Keep your letters. If you need them, have them. It's good to have them in society. It's good to have people campaigning for it because it helps people understand themselves better. Mm -hmm. Not pretend who they have to be. Um, but if you're past that, you should, it's okay. Because you are you at the end of the day and you are more than any letters or any, any rights that's given to you at a much later time to say that you can vote and you can open a bank account without your husband. You're more than that. Mm. We well are, exactly. And we are more, we're more than what people define us because at the end of the day, we are who we, de who we define ourselves to be. Mm -hmm. yeah, I like that. Anything to add? Um, no, Anything that you'd like actually. to share? Because this, this, this has been a nice, nice sentence. I like that. I'm just thinking about the, <laughs> you know, the audacity of how many people you know, how like, let's say heterosexual people uh, have the need to, to finally, you know, like to jump on this identification and suddenly, you know, they will be labeling, you know, people in different categories. And um, yeah, I think I like, I like that approach that, yeah, we're all just more than just letters. Yeah, exactly. That's the main thing. I mean, identity is something, we just, we just remember this. Identity is a spectrum. It's not a, it's not a start point and an end point. There is a start point, there's an end point, all 50 shades of whatever color you want in the middle. Mm -hmm. um, and you find wherever you need to be. That's true. Because there's space for everybody. It's non-exclusive. It, it doesn't have to be like, oh, if you're this, you can't be that. Mm -hmm. you're, you're a woman. You were a lady, you're a woman, and you're a mom. Yes. And you're a wife. <laughs> and you, and you work. So many roles, right? So, so if you want to define yourself only by one role, if, you, if you're happy with that, stay with it. Mm. You know, because in those days, it's important, like, I'm a lady and that's it. What do I do? Whatever a lady does. Whatever that is, I have no idea. <laughs> um, so, so if you're happy with one definition, go for it. But I think today we are capable of more. We are. So that's, that's me. Yeah, cool. Capable and anyway, uh, in the end, we're all going to end up as and this on this beautiful hill you know that you, that you mentioned <laughs> anyway you know like it's 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 all just i think we we're taking ourselves too seriously and i think that COVID has shown us that um it shows us what matters more really yeah it does it is true well great yeah. well that is sebastian from zurich in switzerland and i thank you so much for joining me on xlender and sharing your amazing story with our listeners and our viewers and i hope it's not the last time that we were chatting online xlander is growing and um thanks to you as well uh, we're getting to a bit more 
uh, channels. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me on the show. Bye. Bye.